You can now subscribe and save 20% every single time with the Strava Craft Coffee subscription. That's right. You can get that delicious CBD-infused coffee sent straight to your door every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. Get 20% off every single time and never have to worry about running out of coffee, you know, needing to run to the store in a panic. You're just getting great coffee sent to your door. It's CBD-infused. It can help you with aches and pains, and it's also rich and tasty. So just scope out Strava Craft Coffee today and consider subscribing. But if you don't want to subscribe, you just want to try it out for the first time, you can use the code DNVR20 to save 20% off your first order. And, of course, you can always come down to the DNVR bar and try the Strava Craft Coffee CBD-infused cold brew that we have on tap. But give Strava Craft Coffee a try. Broncos podcast on a great day. It's just a great day. After a great day yesterday, uh, before I talk about the presenting sponsor of the show, I want to give a shout out to Mace for his Bucks becoming Super Bowl champions. What a night that must have been, Mace. It's a victory Monday. That's that's all I can say. The biggest victory of all. And uh, man, it it was it was sweet. I even though sometimes I had to say, okay, yeah, you're cheering for Tom Brady. No, no, Brown no. Got a touchdown. I I soothed myself with the fact that arguably the MVP of that game was Colorado State's own Highlands Ranch resident, number fifty-eight, Shaquille Barrett, who was there to capitalize off the Chiefs being weak at tackle, capitalize off something you've talked about, RK, the Chiefs' unwillingness to adapt to what they were missing and just made Eric Fisher his own personal hand, or, or Mike Remmer, sorry, I think Eric Fisher because he should have been playing that game, his own personal hand puppet for the entire time and uh, held the Chiefs to their worst offensive performance in the Patrick Mahomes era. So on a personal level, cheering for Shaq Barrett, so happy that Mike Evans, Levante David, Donovan Smith, Cameron Brait, those other longtime Bucks that had been through all the suffering, are tasting the ultimate success. Uh, it's it's wild, and uh, so it's it changes the template of what teams might do to try to get themselves over the hump because the Bucks made the bold, audacious move, a move that I wasn't necessarily down with, to have a forty-three-year-old quarterback try to guide them, and it worked. So now it's been done. What do you Nothing do bold here? and audacious about getting Tom Brady on your team. <laughs> one second. 43. One second. <laughs> no one has ever won at 43 <laughs> as a starting quarterback like he has. Okay, okay. Before we get into all of this, a shout-out to our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver. MSU Denver Online, where you can use the code DNVR Sports and get your application fee 
completely waived. Completely waived. Free application fee, a $0 application fee. It's pretty awesome. Pretty sweet deal that they have set it up uh, over there. MSU Denver puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning your degree and living your life. And yeah, that's right. MSU Denver students work twice as many hours as students attending any other Colorado institution. So check them out. MSUDenver.edu slash online. My boys, oh, what's yeah. up? I there mean, we go. yes, le- like we've said in DTL chiming in, what a beautiful day in Denver, Colorado, and in Tampa Bay. Yeah, um, I think so. So everyone was dreading the game, right? You know, it was all uh, this terrible thing of having to root for Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. Now we were all steadfast in the belief that this was a very easy decision. You root for Tom Brady all the way. And I think everyone who made that decision, the correct decision, um, was handsomely rewarded. Like, like I couldn't have enjoyed that anymore, um, unless of course the Broncos were playing in the game. It was, it was just fantastic to watch. It was, <laughs> it was a, it was like a borderline religious experience. Uh, I think my soul, like, like just like floated above my body watching that for a second. It was, uh, that was incredible. Some may okay, call that ha- the wait. TB12 method. Oh no. Let me ask you guys, do you remember when the Bucks beat the Raiders and how that felt? Yes, very yeah. similarly. That's exactly. I mean, it's there's something about the Bucks against the the AFC West and the Raiders if I recall correctly, they were favored in that game too and their offense was rolling and of course the Bucks John Lynch has, has famously said that they were they basically were in the huddle because John Gruden knew what Bill Callahan was going to do. And uh, not quite the same advantage, but it looked like the the Bucks knew exactly what the Chiefs were going to do. Uh, you got to you got to shout out Todd Bowles for having a, ga- a great game plan on the defensive side. I mean, uh, with all respect to Brady and everybody else, to me, he's the real MVP of this game. I mean, Todd Bowles, it really at both sides of the ball for Tampa Bay, they just absolutely beat the Chiefs. The the players executed, but also the game plan was just there. Everything Tampa Bay did uh, worked on offense and defense, and they weren't afraid on defense. Mason, I think that's a huge credit to Todd Bowles. You know, right right off the gate, they on third down, the first third down of the game, uh, Todd Bowles brings the heat, and and Patrick Mahomes just an inch or two off because the pressure was there, and he was wasn't afraid to bring pressure on Mahomes. They got yeah. him seeing ghosts. That was another thing because you know they you show you, you at you blitz a couple of times early, and then we would see as the game goes on, they show blitz and they drop back into coverage. So the Chiefs, even though they're only blocking four and the Bucks Bucks are getting pressure with four, they got that duct tape and bailing wire offensive line seeing ghosts and seeing shadows and not really knowing what they were going to do. And uh you know, even the great Patrick Mahomes, if he doesn't have protection, is going to be vulnerable. And then because they rush four, you've got enough guys in coverage. And those guys, and to their credit on the back end, they're plastering. You got two off ball linebackers that are good in coverage that are handling uh, their end of it. Travis Kelsey didn't have the space that he normally had. It all just kind of came together. This was to me the entire game. Well, first of all, uh, I thought it was really interesting on the tailgate. um, Henry Chisholm told us that he was talking to Carl Durrell, who is a close friend or uh, knows Todd Bowles really, really well. And he said, Carl Durrell told him, you give Todd Bowles this much time to prepare for a game and he's going to put together an incredible game plan. And to me, 
that set the framework for the entire story of this game. The story was Todd Bowles was willing to adapt to what the Chiefs were doing, and Andy Reid wasn't willing to adapt anything, period, at all. And so you look at this game, the lowest blitz rate ever uh, by, a, by a Todd Bowles defense. So he knew that you, could, you can't blitz Mahomes. And also um, the most two deep safeties he's ever used in a game as well. And so it shows you <clears throat> he didn't look and say, we're going to make the Chiefs adjust to what we do. No, he said, we're going to adjust what we do to what the Chiefs do. He took away everything deep. Patrick Mahomes on deep passes. 0 for 5, 0 yards, and a pick. Uh, Absolutely erased what the Chiefs wanted to do by changing their game plan. And meanwhile, Andy Reid, who was just completely and utterly outclassed in this game, just had no backup plan. None at all. And it blows my mind that they came into a game without both of their tackles and had one of the lowest chip rates or sorry, one of the lowest help rates uh, in next-gen stats tracking history. They had, so they, I mean, talk about being stern. They said Patrick Holmes will make magic and we'll be fine. We know how that works, right? When you don't, when you get stubborn and you don't chip and you don't help a tackle that is an obvious need of help. That's how the Broncos lost a game during their Super Bowl run. And it's, it's almost like Kansas City had so little experience with with real adversity in terms of falling deeply behind against a really good team with an elite quarterback that they they didn't they froze. I mean what was interesting about this is one one of the things we talked about over the course of the season with the Chiefs is that they were taking what the defense gave them at times. If if they were taking away downfield targets, they were happy to hand the ball to Clyde Edwards Hilaire and turn him loose. And there were games when they did, and that worked for them. Edwards Alaire had nine carries last night, averaged 7.1 yards per attempt. Why you're not taking advantage of the fact that you've shown in the past that you trust him, and then you you went away from that. The screen game was non-existent. I mean, it it was almost, you know, it was almost like Kansas City just with a deer in headlights. They just they froze. In the wake of this attack, they they didn't adapt, and it's baffling considering that they have adapted. But the Super Bowl, it's a different stage, even though they're experienced on it. It's a different stage, and they, it was too big for them last night. Well, I believe it was the first play of the second half that Kansas City ran the ball with Edwards Hilaire and got yeah. seven or ten or something like that, and it worked perfectly. And I'm saying, okay, well, I mean, they're not down that much. They can run the ball in this game to come back. And then they just went away from it, and and that was mind-baffling. And, guys, I, I have to wonder if everything that, that went on with Andy Reid's son on for, on Thursday and Friday night had a big impact on this and, and, and really just messed with Andy Reid because, like you guys have said, this was not the Andy Reid and and the the Kansas City Chiefs offense that we were used to, uh, and we did see it last year in the big game where they were able to to be very good uh, and win a Super Bowl with that. So I mean that and and guys, this really reminded me 
of the 2013 Broncos, where the Broncos had so many things, so many injuries build up, so many things go wrong with them, especially in the postseason. This things kept going, and it just all crumbled in the Super Bowl. That's what it really felt like. You know, they're, they're, the Chiefs suffered some injuries throughout the playoffs. It kept suffering injuries. Then all these little things kept adding up the past two weeks, and then it all crumbled. And a similar fashion, too. Broncos got blown out in the Super Bowl. Chiefs get blown out in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, both two great offenses. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. Um, you know, and maybe the stuff with Andy Reid's son did play a role. To me, the biggest thing was that the Chiefs rely all their little trickery, all their games that they play is all based off having the defense on their heels. And so when when they get you thinking, when they get you, uh, you know, reacting to what's happening rather than just playing. That's when they catch you with the screen or the misdirection or this, that, the other thing. And they just never, not once in the entire game, had the, had the Buccaneers on their heels. In fact, the Buccaneers were going forward towards them the entire game. So I thought that was a big reason why you didn't see them pull out the screen stuff because they didn't have the Bucs guessing at any point. In fact, the Bucs were just saying, here you go. We're not going to let you beat us deep. And they just refused to, to, to adapt. And I wonder, like, I mean, they had like Andy Reid has to lose sleep over this. Why did you draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire? If mm-hmm. when he's averaging 7.1 yards per carry uh, in the biggest game and you can't do anything else, you're not willing to keep giving him the ball. You know, I see people saying things like, well, you can't ask Travis Kelsey to block. If you're trying to win the game, you can. Like, you have it's to. It's not like to... he can't. Yeah. It... Travis Kelsey, I mean, he's not Julius Thomas. The dude can block. He can right. be a pretty good blocker. And like, like Zach alluded to that first possession of the third quarter. They come out, Edwards Alaire for 26, and then a quick pass to Kelsey for eight, and then Edwards Alaire off right tackle for another 10 yards. They've got they've got the, the bucks on their heels, but then they get three yards on a first down run, and all of a sudden, second, it's like, oh my gosh, we're second and seven. Oh, we can't run the ball here. Why not? Yeah. 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 It's they just I mean, it's it's easy for us kind of sitting there from a distance to to sit there and kind of second guess the play calling. But it was just sometimes I actually I thought to myself during the game, I think they've lost their damn minds with what they're yeah. doing. I mean, at a certain especially that opening drive of the third quarter to me it was a perfect time to put the, some pressure on the Bucks. I mean, the, the Bucks after the beginning of the game, just never had pressure on them at any point. And I kept thinking, oh, man, all right, if the Chiefs get one here, then the Bucks might, you know, pucker up a little bit uh, and make a mistake or just go three and out. And then everyone and then the defense starts to think, oh, God, here they come. Here comes the wave because we know that the Chiefs can score in bunches. Mm-hmm. And just at no point did I ever see them put together a drive where it was like their goal was just, hey, let's just get it, get in the end zone any way we possibly can. Um, they they really were stuck in their own ways. And, yeah, going back to it, like, you can't ask Kelsey to block. You can't ask Mahomes to hand the ball off. You can't go quick game. It's like, if you want to win the Super Bowl, you can do those things. And you should have been prepared to do that when you knew that you had no no tackles. Yeah, and it, that was so clear throughout the game. Guys, Mahomes running backward was just crazy to see time and time and time again. We know that Mahomes can do that successfully, but he was legitimately running backwards. I mean, he can drift backwards and then make things happen, but he was running for his life behind the line of scrimmage. That was absolutely wild to just see time and time and time again. 
and and I think and I don't I'm not sure Mace maybe you know if the Bucks talked about this. They had a really good rush plan in the sense of you never well not never but almost never saw Mahomes actually break the edge. I think mm-hmm. the entire plan was hey when you get him when you get him back there and he starts scrambling just take away the outside just keep Force running him with him right yeah. run with him but also have outside leverage when you're running with him so he can't bend around you um, because that's you know when he starts getting back towards the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. is when he gets really really dangerous. I just I mean hats off to Todd Bowles. And Shaq Barrett and JPP and Vita Vea and Devin White and Levante David. I mean, across the board, all the the secondary who had their lunch money stolen from them by Tyree Kill the first time around got the last laugh. It was just, uh, it was you know, especially from a Broncos perspective, when you see a, a great defense like that, just turn it up uh, to eleven in the biggest game. It, you know, it brings you it brings you great memories. Yeah, it, keep him in the pocket, and then if he gets outside. Like you said, make sure he can't turn up field. There were moments when he gets outside, but you've got the defender that is kind of is stalking him, but is between Patrick Mahomes and the line of scrimmage. And thus, you have to think of the words of Tom McMahon, the greatest defender in NFL history is the sideline. And all of a sudden you've, you've cut, you've got him boxed in because you've got the defender that's going to be in front of him, and you have the sideline sideline on the outside and you've effectively closed him off. I mean, you're basically playing, you're, you're, you're playing a, a little bit of trigonometry out there with how you're, how you're taking advantage of things The Todd Bowles was just, he was on, he was on a higher level than anybody with the chiefs last night. Um, Bigger picture, not really for this conversation. If the, you wonder if there aren't a couple of teams that have already hired their head coaches who wake up this morning regretting not waiting and trying to get Todd Bowles. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, yeah. and some teams waking up saying, oh, it's good yeah. we passed on Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> he he becomes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the Houston Texans and you have David Culley, who has been an assistant head coach. Uh, with the Ravens, and that's well and good. But here you have a guy with head coaching experience, uh, coach of record for the only season of the last 10 for the Jets that saw him win double-digit games. And he just crafted one of the great game plans in the history of, of the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and, oh, by the way, a lot of his training in terms of learning about the game goes back to the great Joe Gibbs who under whom he played back in the 80s and early 90s with Washington. I mean, the resume screams – that this guy should do really well in his next head coaching stop. Frankly, guys, I think uh, even though he's not going to get a job this cycle, I think Todd Bowles is at the top of the list for the next cycle, and not far behind him is the offensive coordinator for the Bucks, Byron Leftwich. I was going to say, enough talk about the defense, guys. Byron yeah. Leftwich last night showed that he should be in those conversations with Eric Bieniemy every single year for every single reason. Uh, look what Byron Leftwich has done. Tom Brady comes in and historically well, it starts the season off almost the worst that any quarterback has ever been throwing the deep ball. Then it clicks and it starts turning around and look what this offense was. And guys, the offense put up 31 points. The defense was phenomenal. 
holding Patrick Mahomes to nine points, but the offense also did their job as well. You score 31 points, you should absolutely win. Brady was efficient, only threw for 200 yards, but hey, they were running the ball. They weren't afraid to turn to to Leonard Fournette and have him run 20 yards into the end zone or have him get the dirty yard or two that they needed. And then they weren't afraid to throw deep, but also Tom Brady was efficient as well. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, 125 passer rating. That offense, th- this was just a great team performance. It was no no wonder why it was a blowout. Yeah, they looked so comfortable, and that has to be an extension of Tom Brady. And I do owe Tom Brady an apology because I called him washed, and he definitely was not washed. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, everyone, you know, Zach, every, everyone but Zach owes him an apology on this podcast because I was <laughs> I was skeptical, even with the weapons that he was going to be blessed with in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard for a little bit earlier this season. Uh Brady Brady found the fountain of youth. Ponce de Leon many centuries ago went looking for the fountain of youth in Florida. Tom Brady found it, found it with the TB12 method. I may, I've said a lot of bad things about the TB12 method. I may have to rethink some of that stuff because look at him in, in his 40s and uh, he looks like a man 15 years younger and, My- <laughs> looks, like, and looks like he's going to have another great season next year. I mean, if you're the Bucks now, do you start thinking about what life could be like if they extend Tom Brady? (laughs) <laughs> yep, which is just so so <laughs> wild. I mean, Tom Brady up to this week was saying he wants to play until he's at least forty five, which makes oh. next year the last year of his contract. He's forty four. So, I mean, do you talk extension this off season? If 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 I'm the Bucks, I'm doing that with in a heartbeat. I don't need to see Tom yeah. Brady and what he's like last year because Mace this this team with an average quarterback could be a, a playoff team. I mean, Jameis was had the highs and the lows, and they weren't a playoff team. But you get an average quarterback in there. This team is good enough where they're probably a playoff mm. team but that's probably where i'm drawing the line tom brady brings them to a super bowl so tom brady doesn't need to be throwing 43 touchdowns for the bucks in order for them to get to this point just having him so if i still think he can regress and this team's going to be very good but mace my girlfriend and i were joking after the game last night that we need to start the tb12 method asap yeah hey i mean shoot it might uh it might have you young and spry into your 60s if you start it right now i mean <laughs> I, I might be hop, exactly. hopping on it later on, but uh, maybe I have to. I have to rethink some th- rethink some things here. The other thing, I'm actually sort of rethinking in a bigger picture the NFC because we talked about how the quarterback pendulum is swinging toward the AFC, and certainly young quarterbacks it is. But if Brady can play another few years, Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere. Although there was a report that said that teams have inquired about Russell Wilson's availability with the Seahawks and. You know, for Seattle's sake, hopefully they're smart enough to say, uh, no, we're not doing that. So uh, the NFC, it might be older quarterbacks, but it looks like they're still pretty stacked at the top of the conference right now, even though I know what Zach thinks of uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers. I mean, well, you know what not- I think of Tom Brady, so I'm not going to yeah. disagree with that. Is this not steaming towards a Rodgers-Brady rematch next January in the NFC Give- Championship? Give- Brady every single time, a hundred out of a hundred times. All right, let's pivot here quickly uh, and just change the conversation to a Broncos scope. Uh, Obviously you're not going to catch the chiefs with no tackles um, every time. And and you'll be lucky if you ever get that once. Um, But is there something that Vic Fangio and the Broncos and really just the entire NFL, but from a Broncos scope can take away from last night and say, there's something there that we can replicate. 
you you have to have the quarterback and I, I'm gonna start with 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 the offensive side of the ball um you can you can beat uh great quarterbacks with a great defense occasionally but they had Tom Brady and we can't lose sight of that so it's it starts there but what's interesting is guys we talk about the Broncos potentially getting a quarterback like Deshaun Watson and having to trade you know multiple first round picks and Bradley Chubb you're going to need Bradley Chubb in order to do what the Bucks did last night. So, uh, but for me, that that's why, no, Bradley Chubb, if you don't have, you still have to have the quarterback first, but that Bradley Chubb is a, is a big piece in being able to do that. Yeah. You know, you look at it and you say, man, if the Broncos were able to have Shelby Harris, Jarrell Casey, Draymond Jones, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, like they should be able to do that. Right. Um, but at the same time, they've never been able to get that combination on the field. So there's part of you that says, oh man, if they ever get it, then they, then, you know, watch out KC. There's another part of you that says, man, you know, do they need to go a different direction to figure out a way that they can actually get their entire group on the field? Or is the quarterback more important and, and is a guy like Bradley Chubb, uh, more expendable because you need a quarterback or less expendable because you need a pass rush. And, and that's why those are probably, you know, arguably the two most uh, important positions on the football field, quarterback and, well, look, and pass rusher. Look at where the Bronco, the, the Bucks found their pass rush. I mean, now Shaq Barrett is going to get paid handsome, handsomely this off season, but the Bucks found that pass rush off the edge with Shaq Barrett, who was a backup who, See, who looked like he had more if he started, but that was a projection. That was a roll of the dice by the Bucks when they brought in Shaq. And then Jason Pierre-Paul was thought to be over the hill and thought to be not as effective since the fireworks incident. And so basically they were building that edge rush with two dented cards, at least when the Buck brought them in now. You get them in there and you find out, oh, they can still play. So this is, it's a credit to their pro scouting for finding value in Shaq and Jason Pierre-Paul. Another thing that I think about with the Bucks is Levante David and Devin White are terrific linebackers. And one thing that gets me thinking here, as a Bucks fan, I would hate to lose Levante David. I mean, there's he's he's been there for nine seasons he was the team captain last night for the coin toss, not Tom Brady. I think that's something that uh, everyone should note. I mean, as big as Brady is, Levante David is the guy that's been there through everything, and he is a really huge quick though, team leader. What? Really quick. What? It was Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs, not Patrick Mahomes, too. Well, Kelsey's been there longer, but I think uh, it's while I just think it's important to note, it's not just Tom Brady's team. The Bucs don't want to lose Levante David. They don't want to lose Shaq Barrett, but they're going to have to make some tough choices here. And Levante David is going to is uh, is going to be 31 this year. So they, they may not want to give him a big contract. Now he may want to take a discount and play with Tom Brady. And if that if that's the case, fine. But if he wants to get one more big strike, if I'm the Broncos in better in a better cap situation than most, looking for more from inside linebacker, and I want to start replicating what the Chiefs did. I think long and hard about importing Levante David. That, that would be huge, especially if you can do it cost effective. And then we have Jake coming in here who's pounding the table for Micah Parsons. I mean, what if you what if you combine those two and try to do exactly what the Bucks did? Devin White, bring in the young guy with the veteran experience guy, Levante David. And then though with that, you would be going all in on defense and and trying to honestly build another 2015 Broncos uh defense there. And that's just 
that's just not sustainable. It it would be it would keep you competitive in pretty much every game though. So or Vic is trying or Vic is trying to win right now to kind of consolidate his position, save his job. And that's where the stuff with the Bears is interesting because if they trade Nick Foles to get Carson Wentz and Mitchell Trubisky is gone, does Vic look at Trubisky, say, I had a great defense in 2018. I know you're shaking your heads. We're talking about one year. I'm just saying, if you're Vic, you went 12-4 and four with a great defense and Mitchell Trubisky as your quarterback. The classic pilot, not the plane, as you would say, RK. I don't, I'm not saying I want this. I'm saying Vic might think about it and try to pitch this. Just so, George. Will George buy it? No, I, who knows? Well, well, I, well, George, George is, was a part of a team that lost some big games to Mitchell Trubisky-led Bears team back when they had that equation. So, I, I just want to double down on, on the linebacker thing uh, because I think the Broncos should have the front to be able to create pressure. Uh, now, we haven't seen it as much as you would like against the Chiefs, but they should have the personnel. There's not much they can do there, in my opinion, uh, to really upgrade, of course, except for keeping Shelby Harris, maybe potentially keeping Jarrell Casey if that's something they want to do. Um, they they should have the secondary to take away the deep stuff, and they haven't been beat too badly by deep stuff when when they play the Chiefs. Um, and, they ju- and then what happens when they play the Chiefs it's Travis Kelsey just absolutely eats up the middle of the field and, you know, you get the drag routes and all that. Well, last night, Devin White and Levante David just absolutely took away that section of the field. So there was just nowhere for the for the Chiefs to turn. Um, there's, you know, it wasn't there long. It wasn't there in the middle. Now, they did have some of the short stuff behind the line of scrimmage, but they didn't want to stick with it. So to me, that is the biggest difference between what the Broncos have and the Bucks have is the the Broncos do not have – the guys who can take away the middle, you know, the middle of the field the same way the Bucks did. The cornerback situation is a little dicey too with, with the Broncos as well. And and I think that's something that the Kansas City Chiefs would be able to expose even if the Broncos took away the middle. Uh, but so Ryan, when when you talk about that, what are you talking about? Replacing Josie Jewell with Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. they both need replacing, in my opinion. If the goal is beating the Chiefs. Now you know, you can have a good football team and, and not be quite good enough to beat the Chiefs. But I think that, you know, eventually you have to get to a point where you're winning the division by beating the Chiefs. Now, we all know that starts with the quarterback position. Um, mm-hmm. But w- watching that defense last night, it was just remarkable to see the way that they took away, th- you know, three levels of the field um, with their defense. And, and you know, it's it's everything working together with the pass rush the linebackers and the secondary, but mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but the speed ratings on Madden between Levante David and, and Devin white and Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson has to be just, you know, gigantic. So the Broncos need way more speed at that position, in my opinion, to be able to contain the middle of the field, the way that the bucks did. Okay. So let's maybe I kind of think in terms of reasonable solutions here, because if Justin Simmons, if you bring him back, then that limits what you can spend. And maybe this is going to mean saying goodbye to Von Miller and rolling with Chubb and Malik Reed as your edges. But if you could at least upgrade one of those linebacker spots and you could bring in a Levante David if if the Bucks don't re-sign him. And maybe you pair him with Alexander Johnson. Maybe Justin Stranod, who is someone they really saw as a coverage linebacker, comes in when you go into your sub packages. And then at corner you 
I think you kind of box yourself into drafting one in round one, but you draft Sertan or Farley, uh, whichever one of the two you like best, assuming both are available. And if one's gone, you take the other and you go on your merry way. If you do that, plus the right hedge, the hedge with upside that I that I would like to see, do you feel like that's an equation that could allow the Broncos to jumpstart this? Maybe not get into, into winning the division, but at least gets them closer to competitiveness and parity with the Chiefs. Maybe they steal a game. And if Drew Locke is the guy, great. And if the hedge with upside is the guy, great. But I, I think if you do that, you might be able to, to – to microwave this thing back. I think this is more so a, a quick rebuild. If you do this this year, you focus on rebuilding the defense, go young, moving on from Von Miller would be a, a huge part of that commitment and going with the more unproven Malik Reed, but the young guy you bring in a year, you keep Justin Simmons, a young guy. And then next year, if, if, if lock doesn't develop and the hedge is just an average hedge, then that's when you go get the quarterback. And then you feel like, okay, we have the young core on offense with the quarterback, whether it's a veteran next year that you go and get, but it's a big move there, or it's a young guy. And then you say, we have a defense that isn't over the hump. We, we have so many guys that are still young and up and coming. I I, I could see this being a very realistic uh, uh, possibility, guys. But the thing is here is you're not doing anything big at corner or quarterback if this year, if this is the plan and this is how you approach it, which is fine, but it just probably means that I, I don't think you're taking a huge jump this year, but it could be, it could be microwave very quick in a year. Or Drew Locke takes a jump and you do take the jump and, and you know, they all do it together. Or, yeah, or the, that, or that the short, be. or the short term guy, if Drew Locke doesn't flourish, you, you plug, you, you plug a, a, maybe you plug a low mistake guy in, and that's you know, we mentioned Trubisky. He's not a low mistake guy, but maybe someone like Tyrod Taylor, who has kind of babied a team to the playoffs before playing low mistake football, maybe he steps in, and you have that offense that doesn't beat itself to complement with a defense that is carrying you. And all of a sudden, you look up at the end of the year, and you've got ten wins, and if your defense is playing well and your offense is running the ball and not making mistakes, you actually have an equation that can work in January. I also do have to take a little bit of credit uh, for the Buccaneers win. You know, great job, Todd Bowles. Great job, Tom, uh, Tom Brady. But I did put the, uh, the, the DNVR bets jinx on them. I said, the mo- if I bet enough money, on the Chiefs to win, I can jinx them into losing. I went on DraftKings Sportsbook. I hammered the Chiefs in hopes of jinxing them. Uh, and it didn't work in the AFC Championship game. I just don't think there, there was enough funding behind the push. Um, but uh, this time, this time it worked. So, you know, I'll, I'll take 20% of credit. I don't need a lot, uh, but, you know, no. just, just 20%. So, essentially, all, yeah. you, you rigged this game. You bought the game. Yes, See, I don't I think did. you did. I, I think I think this is I think you you basically paid the chief this you paid a fee for the Chiefs to go away. It's like you are the Houston Texans and you paid the Browns a second round pick to take Brock Osweiler off your hands. Uh, you are the Arizona or the the uh, St. Louis Cardinals and you got paid to take Nolan. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, I actually. Why did didn't you go get, there? Yeah, I didn't get paid, <laughs> but we did have a ton of fun on DraftKings Sportsbook last night. I mean the. The different props they had were, were incredible. We had a ton of fun with it, so shout out to them. Um, last thing I want to say is just a quick update. Uh, we talked about Justin Cernod, and I think 
the Broncos might think he's like the secret weapon in all of this. Um, that's a guy who's probably maybe today being spoken about more in the Broncos facility than anywhere else where they're saying, man, if he can become even close to what those guys did, it's going to really help our defense. And an update on Justin Sternod. Uh, obviously, he had the wrist surgery, uh, and we saw him this weekend out there uh, getting a lesson from the DNVR golf boys. So uh, the wrist must be in good shape if he's playing golf because I, I'll tell you, it's not an easy sport to play if your wrist hurts. Yes, that 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 is good news. But, guys, I would caution just the expectations for Justin Stranod. I think this year, uh, if he comes in and is a good coverage linebacker, that is a huge huge win and I know the Broncos hope that that can be the case but don't rely on him as being that you know Devin White Levante David sort of player this year no No, he's a sub package guy he he's another piece he's a chess piece you can move you can you can use from time to time and somebody that you're hoping at the end of the season is helping you as he accumulates experience, accumulates reps, get gets better in coverage and look he's not somebody who's an every down linebacker at this point but when you go sub package, if you've got if you've got him and Levante David, and the thing with Sternod is the re- the reason why the Broncos drafted him and the thing that he did well better than almost any linebacker in college football back in 2019 was he could cover downfield and there and so that particular skill set is something that I, I think can help. I wouldn't expect the world of him, but I would expect him to help. All right. I think that's going to wrap up the live side of things for today, but we're going to talk plenty more about this game and how the Broncos uh, can improve and get closer to the level of those two teams uh, on the podcast side of things where we answer all of your questions. So if you uh, want more, you can, of course, listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Of course, if you watched on YouTube, hit us with a like, subscribe, uh, and you can even sign up for alerts to know anytime that we go live. But for now, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for everyone who tuned in, and we'll see you on the podcast side. All right, thanks to everyone who tuned in to the podcast side of things, and thanks to Breckenridge Brewery for their longtime support of DNVR. They're damn good beers. If you tuned into the tailgate or the Big Batting Bonanza yesterday, I'm sure you saw us enjoying several Breck brews. And you can have a Breck brew-themed Valentine's Day this year with a vanilla porter brown butter mushroom chicken which sounds delicious and of course a vanilla porter molten chocolate cake are you kidding me so go to their website or go to their twitter or instagram page and check it out to see what you got to do to get that delicious meal uh for your valentine's day uh so check them out breck brews they're damn good beers Also, make sure to check out our friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members, so they're part of our family. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. And since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage Mortgage your largest debt. They believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. That's why it's crucial that Mike is a certified financial planner. So they look at everything, including your tax situation, your short-term and your long-term planning goals, your investments, and everything else with your financials. Mike and Virginia work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's Chevalier Mortgage. Michael 
Chevalier, NMLS 1931006, Virginia Chevalier 1910631. All right, let's get into the questions from the listeners. First one's from asking for a friend. How comparable are Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott? My friend is starting to think that maybe the Broncos should go after the other number four. Mm. Interesting on how comparable they are. Um, they have a few things in common. Um, you know, I think both are better from the pocket than people give them credit for. Um, both are athletic, though. Deshaun, more athletic, in my opinion. Dak, uh, a little bit more of like a a power back when he gets out of the pocket. And Deshaun, a little bit more of the elusive uh, guy when he gets out of the pocket. And, and then I just think Deshaun is a notch better, uh, you know, just across the board. Yeah, I think they're pretty darn similar, though, in terms of their their stats. But yeah, I do think that that Deshaun is just a little better. So if, if we're putting Deshaun five or six in the league, where are we putting Dak? Mm, probably about eight to ten. I mean, they're, yeah. they're they're both top ten quarterbacks. But I think uh, I think if you're talking about like there's probably an elite tier of, say, six guys right now, you'd say, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. Zach's guy, Aaron Rodgers. Um, and you'd put Deshaun Watson in that category, Russ Wilson in that category. I think the sixth guy is Josh Allen, whether you think he's arrived or not. And then that next tier of guys that can push and they can have elite seasons, but they haven't kind of shown it year to year, but they're knocking on the door. Like Lamar Jackson's knocking on the door at, at joining that group. Um, Dak Prescott is is in that is in that mix uh justin herbert i think is is approaching that territory it's the kind of realm that uh, someone like matt ryan and cam Newton, cam newton were in earlier the earlier within the last decade back in the mid 2010s so you just have to accept what you get that deshaun dak prescott can be 95 percent of what deshaun watson is can he find that other five? That's the, that's the question. And you alluded to them being different, different runners, Ryan. I think it's as simple as Deshaun Watson. He runs away from contact. Dak Prescott runs to contact. And that's something that does make you a little nervous because he's taking more hits than Deshaun Watson does. And we saw what running to contact for someone like Cam Newton did for him, although he certainly doesn't run to contact in the way that Cam did. Yeah. If, if you told me, that the, you could you could definitely get Dak, I might I might be willing to listen to and hear cases for why you should do that instead of getting Deshaun Watson, just because the resources is just money. You know, if you could get him as a free agent, uh, you're just giving up money. Um, and you could probably make the case that with all the resources that you retain by getting Dak instead of Deshaun, you can eventually put together a bigger team. I'd be, I, I, I'd hear out that argument. Um, to me, I still think you just try to get the best quarterback you possibly can and figure out the rest later. But there'd be a case there. Uh, and if you were able to get either of those guys, you should be ecstatic about it. And what do you make wait, of wait. the report from Adam Schefter yesterday, though, on Dak? Which was? Saying that right, uh, right now – the Cowboys and Prescott are, quote, not close on a new deal, unquote. Franchise tag number two. I mean, would you guys give uh, Dak four years, $160 million, all guaranteed? I would with the Broncos. The injury. Yeah. 
Could well, the Broncos would. do that? That's that. That's the thing. And, and maybe it's not 160 million, but maybe it's maybe it's the it's a three year 120 million dollar deal, because maybe Dak Prescott does the is, is willing to bet on himself. I, I think the question isn't whether you want to do it. The question is whether you can put the, the cash in escrow to do it. Betting on yourself with 120 million dollars, I like it. If I'm Dak, I'm, I definitely do <laughs> well, that. And and I think he's casting up 40 million dollars from the original proposal. There, that's why. I mean, you are kind of you're, you're taking you're getting a lot, but you're also saying I'm I'm taking less guaranteed money than I could from this other deal, knowing that if I play well, that on the other side I could get up 50 million dollar a year contract. I mean, is this something where the, the Cowboys may just turn to the first round of the draft and say, see you, Dak? I, I didn't think that would happen, but they can't just let Dak walk and not do anything in the draft. I, I have to imagine this will just be another franchise tag if they're still that far apart. Yeah, I mean, we've joked about the Mac Jones thing because it's, you know, Jerry Jones' nephew or whatever. But as things get more difficult with Dak and, you know, Buzz – starts this around Mac more. I can see them convincing themselves that that's a good idea. Well, the other thing is what does Mike McCarthy want in the quarterback? I mean, obviously he had a lot of success with Aaron Rodgers, but personality wise, it didn't fit. Does Mike McCarthy want someone younger and more amenable to his coaching perhaps than somebody who's, kind of got his ideas and his set in his ways a little bit. Maybe, maybe. And where are the, where are the Cowboys drafting? Do we know what pick they have? I, are they like 12th, I believe? Okay. Yeah, somewhere right in there. That could be a little I really should just keep the draft. The Broncos. I really should get... I really should just keep this draft order in front of me at all times because it seems to come up on every podcast or show that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my, my bad. They are picking 10th. 10th okay so probably not a trade back partner then well unless uh one of the quarterbacks falls and uh you know you start playing the okie doke with them and saying yeah you know i maybe you like mac jones but we're gonna take mac jones we're gonna take mac jones and and then jerry just like well hold it hold it hold it (laughs) (laughs) or you say uh, oh man uh so and so team behind you guys is chomping at the bit to come get uh Mac Jones right now, you want to stop him? Although the thing that kind of is interesting here is that the Cowboys desperately wanted to make a move in 2016 to get up and take Paxton Lynch, but the Broncos (laughs) beat them to the punch. Sometimes the best deals are the ones you don't make, and maybe that's the lesson that uh, good old Jerry Jones is going to have. Boy, that certainly was for them. Man, next one coming in from Drew Lockaboy. He says, this is better than Christmas. Simple as ah. that. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Next one coming on from TK Freeze. First off, congrats, Mace, on the win. Second, Antonio Winfield is my hero. Peace. Oh. Antoine Winfield. I love Ant- Antoine Winfield coming out. I love him even more now. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that was the, that was the best moment of the game for me. It, mm-hmm. By far. Um, maybe the best moment of the NFL season for me. Um, it was uh, just just perfect the in like the sass in which he delivered the peace sign in Tyreek Hill's face the delivery was perfect the smirk as he walked away was perfect uh couldn't have happened to a worse dude in Tyreek Hill um it was just 
it was everything I could ever ask for in a in a petty sports moment. <laughs> and it just added to the fact that the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown in that game. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you have the uh, the Tom Brady Tyron Matthew beef, in which Tyron Matthew tweeted out that Tom Brady said something to him that he won't repeat. But then he deleted that tweet. Uh, and my theory which is just a working theory, is that after he tweeted that out, he realized, oh, God, Tom Brady was mic'd up for that entire game by NFL Films. Um, And they're going to be able to realize that what I'm saying is a lie. (laughs) But he'd already tweeted it. The damage is done. I know. Yep. So we'll we'll find out. Um, Maybe we won't, but someone somewhere will find out the truth on this. If he was right or wrong. Yep. All right, Count Lockula next up says, this one's for Mace. Love the count. Well, I appreciate that, but if this one in Tampa in winning the Super Bowl, if this one was for anyone, it was for a uh, a late, long-time employee of the team who did a lot of d- different things in action, named Jill Hobbs, who passed away last month and uh, had worked for the team since its inception, went all the way back to 1976 had seen all the defeats um and uh, when she when she died a lot of former players including john lynch actually you know posted things on twitter about her because all the players knew her because she was in charge of explaining all the benefits to them uh, of their contract and so forth and uh she was a a no-nonsense person so i appreciate that count but in tampa bay if this was for anybody it was for the late jill hobbs who'd been there since day one for the Buccaneers. And so imagine how many defeats she'd witnessed in her time working with the team, man. Very cool. Very cool. Next one from Steve is the worst. My boys. So happy with the result of the super bowl, not one touchdown people ready to crown the chiefs, but these casual football watchers don't realize how hard it is for teams to reach the summit more than once. There's a tiny penny sized light at the end of the tunnel for the Broncos Mace, a special congratulations to you. Enjoy it. Crack a cold Breck brew, man. No better occasion for it. The worst Steve. Yeah. A strawberry sky because, uh, when I was looking at that beautiful Tampa sunset last night as the broadcast uh, at 6 p.m. came on, and uh, I got to admit, guys, I got really homesick when I saw the, the beautiful sky. Colorado sunsets are beautiful, no doubt, but we're all partial to kind of what we grew up with. And so uh, a, a Tampa sunset at, near the Gulf Coast is, uh, to me, it's, it's unlike any other. And even my wife said, uh, are you missing home right now? I said, I am very much missing, missing it. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, strawberry sky for a beautiful Florida sunset, a little bit of Colorado, a little bit of Florida. It goes, they go perfectly together, I think. And oh, by the way, I think we have to mention the fact that the guy who sprinted onto the field last night in the fourth quarter got closer to the end zone than the Chiefs ever did. (laughs) He sure did. did. Uh, From VR, though. Couldn't be happier with the Super Bowl result. The Chiefs got their 43-8 moment, and Patty Mahomes played like poop. I won $2,000 uh, winning the pot for a 1-9 Super Bowl square. Nick Wright, Tyree Kill, and Travis Kelsey, this one's for you. Cheers, bro. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, oh. BR, though. Congrats on your winnings, man. 1-9, that's great. Yeah. yeah Has anyone checked awesome. on Nick Wright today? <laughs> oh, man. No, probably, probably 
Probably not. He, he'll probably yeah. come back at the Broncos later this offseason okay. to make him feel good about himself. Yeah. Yeah. One in nine. That's that nine. That's hard to get. Yeah. Nine, 19, 29. 30. I mean, the only somewhat normal football score is 49 on that. And that wasn't happening. And that, that wasn't happening in that game. So, wow, that is. It's a unicorn of a result there. Congratulations, VR, though. Glad, glad you got your 2K. Spend it wisely. Yeah, and we never – no one would have put any money on the Chiefs' first three scores and, of course, only three scores being field goals. No way. Certainly not. Wild. Next one coming in from Low Country Bronco. Fellas, 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 I went in all on the bucks on DraftKings Sportsbook and, well – Let's just say I will have a very good week. DraftKings Sportsbook recently dropped in Virginia, and it couldn't have dropped at a better time. Let's go, Mace. I'm sure you're riding high too, my friend. Soak it in. Soak it all in, LCB. To think that they went 17 seasons without even playing in a playoff game or winning a playoff game, pardon me, not even winning a playoff game, and they go 12 seasons without even playing in a playoff game, and their first shot back they go all the way. I mean, uh, it, it, uh, this is actually something we could probably have a, a whole discussion about, but what would you rather have? Would you rather have a decade where you go to the playoffs five times and uh, maybe you get to one Super Bowl and lose it? Or would you rather have a decade where you get to the playoffs once and that's it, but you win it all? So, from a fan perspective, I think I'll take the championship um, just because that's what it's all about. But from our perspective, um, I'll take the, the successful seasons. It gets mm-hmm. tough uh, when everyone's bummed out, you know, the whole season. So I'll take, you know, five seasons of general happiness rather than just one um, one huge explosion so i have something that kind of fits in this equation that i was joking uh with last night how much would you trade for tom brady right now what would you trade to get him i don't know um would you would you trade two first rounders no would you trade the ninth overall pick yes yeah absolutely i I do that in a heartbeat i trade two first round picks and I would trade two first rounders just because I would expect that that second first rounder is going to be right. pick 30 yep. at best. To yep. me, to me, this is like buying a stock when it's already gone through the roof. You there had there. It's going to go down eventually. Like we know, like Tom Brady can't be great forever. So you don't believe in Tom next year. Um, it's, I just, I'm not convinced enough uh, to what does to he need to much. do, Ryan? <laughs> He needs to not be old. <laughs> I know at some point he's going to hit the wall and yeah, the, I, I'm not, look, I'm not feeling bad today. Today for me and for the next few weeks is a time for happiness, marinating in the moment. Um, my, my kid becoming a Bucks fan. I think I might be winning mm-hmm. that battle right now um, in the, in the household. Uh, she knows all the old Tampa Bay songs and she was excited last night. Um, well, we get a couple of months from now, I will start fretting as a fan. Okay. At some point he's hitting the wall. When is it going to be? Don't and have to worry you, about it next it, year. I mean, it, it's it, it, the wall sometimes comes real suddenly and real hard. 
I mean, it 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 came it came fairly suddenly with Peyton Manning. I'll yep, put it well, this way: I'm not, I'm not betting against. Year. I'm not betting against him. I just don't want to be the one betting on him uh, well, and losing that bet. Well, and so Ryan, you said it's all about winning championships. Doesn't Tom Brady give you the best chance next year? The best chance of anyone. The best chance of, of that anyone you could get. I don't think so. No. No. Who who gives you a better chance? Patrick Mahomes. No, anyone you can get. Oh, anyone you can get. Yeah, I mean, oh. but you can't. Well, you can't get, Tom get him. No, no, no. no. I'm, 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 I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying if if he's in that equation. If he was in that equation, so you're saying the options would be like Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, first round pick, Jack Prescott, first round pick. Yeah. Um, no, I. I mean, the answer is yes. He gives you the best chance to win a championship next year, but he's not the one I want. But it's all about winning championships. You just said. If you got like, if you get one championship out of Tom Brady and then go right back to where you were before, I just would. That, it was not, worth it. It was worth it. So it's uh, not so, worth what the wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. But you just said that you would rather have the decade where you won it once and as a and, fan and go the right. Okay. As a fan, I mean, are, are we viewing this as a fan or are we viewing this as people who are trying to drive podcast conversation? I'm viewing it from my personal perspective right now, which is okay. I want the Broncos to figure out a long term solution at the quarterback so we don't have to do this every offseason. I mean, I agree, but the thing is, and this look, this thought has hit the back of my mind that once Tom Brady is done, what happens to the Bucks? They probably fall right back where they once were if they can't figure out a quarterback plan. And but they just won a Super Bowl, and, so and that's they tried, great. It's a and great they had tried everything, right? And they had tried everything. They tried Josh Freeman. They tried Jameis Winston. They went, you know, they had Ryan Fitzpatrick blossom for a little bit. Josh McCown. Uh, they they even had the the mid round. Uh, the, the mid-round flyer of Mike Glennon as quarterback. They went through almost everything you could possibly do for over a decade and finally threw their hands up and said, let's see if we can get a 43-year-old quarterback to show that he's got something more. Uh, it, 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 was a, it was a short-term play, and it, it was brilliant because that they're going to have another Lombardi sitting in that office. There's a huge sculpture at Buccaneer headquarters when you walk in of – guys of the of the side of the of the scene on the sideline from Super Bowl 37 you got John Gruden Warren Sapp Derek Brooks John Lynch and they're all celebrating and there's probably another school you know what the next sculpture should be Antoine Winfield yeah <laughs> sign to Tyree Kill I mean I, that's what I, I really hope that they do Mace and- even if the Bucks lose for another decade they're gonna have another big sculpture they're gonna have another big trophy you can't take that away Absolutely. Mace, if you but I know see that any, might happen. If you see any Tampa Bay shirt companies that put out a shirt of that, please forward it my way. I need it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. Hey, I know we're DNBR. Maybe we could be for one brief moment uh, a TMPA and say I was gonna say, I know a shirt company, Ryan. <laughs> that's a that's a little outside of our, our realm. I'll, I'll just say I, this. I, Broncos fans would buy that shirt though. <laughs> probably <Yeah. laughs> that's the, that's the thing i mean we could be it could be our all it could be our gift to tampa bay and our our thank you thank you just you know kind of like how uh buffalo thanked andy dalton with charitable donations maybe this isn't as altruistic our thank you to tampa bay is creating this 
Antoine Winfield <laughs> to Tyreek Hill shirt. Yeah, in, in the end, like I get it. I get like the Bucks won this bet, and so they they deserve all the congratulations. It's just to me, you missed that opportunity, and now if you gave up a first round pick for Tom Brady and then he did hit the wall, you're the one who ends up looking like a fool and it will happen eventually. Like again, I'm not going to be the one predicting it to happen again. I already got burned on that once, but I don't want to be the one banking my franchise on it. Not happening. People have literally been saying it for six years that Tom Brady's going to hit this wall. So I would be absolutely okay because it's not like he slowed down at the end of the season too. No, he got better. Yep, exactly. Which I still am a little, uh, little suspicious about what happened towards the end of the season for Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, my oh, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! The team I'm, itself what that is what happened. What Ryan. are you implying, RK? I, I'm I saying his arm became several notches more lively late in the season, and and he had to have done something to make that happen. Whether it was legal or not, I don't know. He stopped eating nightshades. That was it. And it caused his arm to uh, to wake up with no nightshades. Nightshades? That, that, that avocado ice cream. I mean, it was bound to help out sometime, right? Nightshades is a is a type of vegetable and it like incorporates like peppers and uh, uh, and a couple other things. And he does not eat those. What does he eat? He eats uh, fish. He eats, uh, I think, I think beef, chicken. Um, and no fruit. He just doesn't like fruit. That's not part of the TB12 method. He just doesn't like fruit. Uh, and a no lot of fruits, basically no vegetables and a lot of non nightshade vegetables. What are some non nightshade oh. vegetables? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he drinks between 12 and 25 glasses of water a day. I've got that he part starts... down. Okay. He starts every day for, with a 20 ounce. This is from men's health from last year. He starts every day with a 20 ounce glass of water infused with electrolytes. Rondo's got electrolytes. Then he sips a smoothie, which typically contains blueberries, bananas, nuts, and seeds. During his 8 a.m. workout, he drinks more electrolyte infused water, followed by a post workout protein shake. And then, and then it says he used to be really strict about the food that he eats, but he says now he gives himself some breathing room uh, with his diet. And he says, quote, I have a friend who freaks out if it's not the most organic this or that. And I'm like, that stress is going to harm you way more than eating that chip is. Now, that said, this is what Brady likes. Berry and banana smoothies pre-workout, avocado and eggs for breakfast, salads with nuts and fish, Zach, for lunch, hummus, guacamole, or mixed nuts for snacks, and roasted vegetables and chicken for dinner. And... In his, when he gave a tour of his gym and fridge, his fridge had grapes, blueberries, apples, pears, bananas, and vegetables, including cucumbers, kale, and spinach. There we yeah. go. On game, on game days, all he has are a smoothie and almond butter and jelly sandwich. But that being said, he has modified it. He says he does cheat. He has bacon from time to time. He has pizza. And he said, Whoa. what has... What has changed as I've gotten older is now if I want pizza, I want the best pizza. I don't eat a slice that tastes like bleep and then wonder, why am I eating bleep pizza? <laughs> and another thing he likes as a cheat food is chocolate. 
Interesting. He's it's funny. He's gotten older. He's kind of vacillating a little bit. Maybe that. Maybe that's the key. No, allow for for some humanity. I was gonna say maybe the opposite has happened. He was doing that, and that's why he started falling off halfway through the season. He realized I have to get one hundred percent back on the train. No cheating. And that's how he got his arm back. I also read that he eats until he's 75% full. You guys, well then, <laughs> 75. <laughs> but I, I, read, I read that and I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm looking to change my, my diet here. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, hmm, interesting. I'll tell you what, berry and banana smoothies are my absolute favorite combo. I love smoothies. I mean, that's yeah. that that be an, that's an easy change for me to bake because when I do get on a smoothie kick, I love having them. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We're all gonna start the uh, Tom Brady TB12 method so that we can be great podcasters. And just Maybe. don't forget, don't forget to add a little HGH. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, oh. <laughs> to your chocolate. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Next man. one coming in from Dan Burke. Hey guys, Mace, congratulations on your Bucks winning another title. Maybe I'm just petty, but this almost is as sweet as the Broncos winning it themselves. I know the Chiefs had a lot of things working against them, from the banged up offensive line to Andy being distracted with everything happening with his son and Mahomes being hobbled. But this was still a confidence boost to me as a Broncos fan that the Chiefs aren't insurmountable, and hopefully our players in front office feel the same way. Also, shout out Jeff Dr- or shout. Jeff Driscoll for leading an offense that put up more points than the Bucks on the Bucks D than the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I've erased that entire game from my head. Don't remember a single thing from it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although the Broncos did play them closer, didn't they? They've, yeah, they did. Yeah, I they, think uh, it, it was twenty-eight ten, I believe. Yeah, was the score. How about yeah, that? Like Broncos. Though, that was thirty-one nine. Broncos. Well, they had that better. stat. The yeah. They had that stat at the end of the third quarter. It said Mahomes had thrown for like 114 yards or something like that. And I quickly looked up to realize that Jeff Driscoll threw for more yards in the first three quarters of his game against the Bucks than Patrick Mahomes did when he went against Tampa Bay. So what am I uh, forgetting? What was Driscoll. a notable thing that happened in that game? Two Mike Evans short touchdowns, right? One yard touchdowns. Uh, the, the, me- the messed up punt. Oh, that sounds familiar. Block, block punt. Brett Rippon came in at the end of the game and mm-hmm. was perfect eight for now eight. Now we're talking. Now we're yeah. talking. That's memorable. <laughs> that was... started the Rippon train. Yep. Yeah, because he had one good drive, and oh my gosh, I mean, one good drive that ended in a pick. <laughs> yeah. All right. But he, he was clearly better. I mean, it uh, Driscoll was was lost like a like a puppy in a in a neighborhood it didn't know that day and and Rippin steps out there and he's making pre-snap checks and and reads and he's uh, getting the protection right and everything looked better uh with with Rippin than Driscoll but uh yeah. the other thing I remember about that yeah you, you mentioned the Mike Evans uh, touchdowns um from a Bucks perspective the thing I remember is that was the moment where I thought, okay, it's going to be okay with Tom Brady because the first couple of games were shaky right. that, they, that the Bucks had. And I, I was patient because I kept thinking in terms of Peyton Manning 2012, how it took a little while to, to really for him to get comfortable and everything to click. And when I left the stadium that night, I left knowing that, okay, this Tom Brady thing might work out because 
he put it back together against a, a decent defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Dang it. I lost my train of thought. Oh, well. Oh, I was going to say, if you check your Jeff Driscoll tracker, you'll see that he is uh, on his way towards the sun right now. <laughs> wow. Is Joe, is Joe Flacco there there yet? Or did, yes. is he still on his way? It takes a while. No, he's, he's been there. <laughs> uh, next one from LDJ. Congrats to Peyton. The easiest unductee in a long time. But my favorite I was most excited about was Calvin Johnson for my just generation. No disrespect to Randy or Jerry Rice. It's for my generation. Calvin Johnson was the best, most talented machine of a wide receiver that ever existed. And only Julio has come close, but uh, wasn't that size and as dominant. Congrats, Megatron. Lastly, I don't know if I uh, I don't know if you knew him, but I want to say rest in peace to Chris Wessling. The first sports co- podcast I ever listened to was around the NFL podcast. Chris, much like you guys at DNVR, gave it to me straight. More facts, less opinion. I'd write a DM uh, to him after every Broncos game with Lockie, giving me honest feedback. This man was just a great, sweet man, gone incredibly too soon, and I'm going to miss him so much. But I'm grateful for DNVR because without you guys, and now Wes passing away, football would suck. Rest in peace, Wes, and thanks for all that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Just so tragic over the weekend. Um, and as well as Pedro Gomez lot, lost some great ones in our industry this weekend. Yeah. Just brutal. Just brutal. This and, is... and for me, Pedro Gomez was, you know, a, a voice that I was very used to, you know, obviously growing up watching sports center and baseball tonight and all that stuff. So that was a tough one too. This has been rough. I mean, we've been losing, uh, been losing a lot of good sports reporters in their prime. I mean, yesterday at the NFL, uh, had a, a commemorative football and a place set for uh, Vaughn McClure, who uh, uh, has covered the Falcons for a while down in Atlanta. And uh, I mean, it's just, it feels like we've been losing a, a lot of uh, really outstanding reporters, uh, media people. I mean, Wesling, I mean, we've had a, quite a few Twitter interactions over the years and they've all been positive. And uh, the, the around the NFL podcast was for me, that was the best national NFL podcast. That was the one that I listened to. And uh you know, and he, of course, the other thing that he did that I always loved and it was and always made for great discussion was he did his QB, his QB ratings. Like uh, every week he would go one to 32 among the starting quarterbacks and say, this is where they, they lined up. And uh, I mean, unfortunately, when those uh, those articles started being um, scattershot in the season, I really I, I got really worried about Chris and um, just uh, keep his family uh, in his thoughts. He has a, a one year old son and, you know. And I feel it just, I feel awful for, uh, I feel awful for his family that they're not going to have him around. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. So we'll be, we'll be thinking about him. Thanks for, thanks for that LDJ. Next one coming in from Jason 17. What's up guys. Happy Monday today. I rejoice in the fact that the Broncos are still the only AFC West team to go back to back. Just a couple of thoughts from the Super Bowl. The chief's offensive game plan was absolute trash without starting tackles on either, either side. They decided the best plan was to put but was to only use five-man protection on 92% of their dropbacks against two of the best edge rushers and best defensive line in the NFL. I know Chiefs fans are going to complain about the officiating, but to quote Andrew Mason, when you lose 31-9, to it ain't the refs. You just got whipped. Love the game and can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts. Also wanted to know if RK saw Pat McAfee's five-part parlay that netted him $25,000 for a $500 bet. Good consolation after he lost 30,000 on the coin toss. I just like can't get excited for people who can bet $30,000 on the coin toss. Like, I can't be happy about your wins. That's just not that cool to me. <laughs> so you'd feel a lot better if you didn't lose 30,000. 
<laughs> I just wouldn't uh, like if you're throwing thirty thousand dollars on bets. Like I'm just not. I don't. I don't. I'm not rooting against you. I just. I'm not. I'm not happy for you when you get big wins. Do you know what the parlay was? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't either. But man, that's wild. Winning twenty five k. I'm sure it wasn't actually his money, but it just reminded me he did like this like promo where he like went around and gave all of his buddies like a hundred thousand dollars in a bag to bet. No, it was just like. It was like to celebrate that he got this like fat deal. Wow. He got extended by whoever he works for. And so then he like <laughs> gave all of his friends a hundred K. Gosh, it's not a bad life. He's skyrocketed. Yeah, he had. And, and Pat McAfee's awesome. I'm not trying to dunk on him. I just, I always see these tweets that are like, wow, this better bet $500,000 on the, on the Buccaneers in an under parlay. Like congrats. And I'm just like, if you have five hundred dollars to lose, like I'm not happy that you won. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next one from oh. Blue Drock. Hey guys, I'm a happy man today. The Chiefs were crushed. Mace, many congrats on the Bucks victory of Bulls Masterclass. Now then, or now then, fellas, did we see last night as we did in Super Bowl Fifty that competent quarterback play and a great defense can still be the answer in this league? As much as I want Watson in Denver, if it ends up causing us to have a weak offensive line and weak defense due to years of missing draft picks, perhaps other avenues are still the best to explore. Especially as it looks like Houston will be playing hardball for a while. I'm just wondering, after you guys witnessed last night, has your idea of the best plan for the Broncos changed at all? Should we aim for a competent quarterback or potentially competent quarterback in the right price, such as Darnell, Minshew, Brissett, Mariota, Foles, Alex Smith, etc.? Get one of these guys in for the best man wins battle versus Locke or take the course, Mac Jones at number nine. I know it's not sexy, but maybe we don't need sexy with Vic in charge. Maybe we rebuild the defense. What say you, sexy or no sexy? And if sexy, at what cost? Yours, Charlie, two hours sleep in the UK, so forgive for any bad spelling. Um, Mm. I think we need to put something in perspective. Tom Brady is not just a guy that, you know, didn't mess things up. He was really good. So they coupled that with a really good defensive performance. So it, it's not the middle of the run quarterback. Um, and the Broncos can't go middle of the run quarterback, in my opinion. Yeah, I think what I'll say is if I'm still very much team do whatever it takes to get Watson, but I'll say it gives you a little bit of hope for what you can do if that Avenue doesn't end up presenting itself. Um, and it is, you know, stack up the defense um, and prepare to be able to take away, you know, the great offenses. Um, last night was another case of defense wins championships. You know, the the Chiefs have this tiny little speedy defense and they just got pushed around all night. Uh, and it was it was, you know, for old football heads, it must have been a really great sight to see because the chiefs come in with this gimmicky offense and they're stuck in their ways and they're doing, they have this little speedy defense that's trying to take away all the spread stuff. And the bucks just said like, all right, well, we're just going to hand it off to Leonard Fournette and just bust you open. And uh, so last night was a win for real football um, and old school football. And so it shows you that yes, running the ball, protecting the ball and playing great defense is a formula still, but you just can't discount that secret ingredient they had, which is the most clutch, maybe most clutch athlete ever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the bucks, the bucks were sixth in total defense this past year. Okay. 
very good. You look around the rest of the top six and you've got the Rams first, Washington second, Pittsburgh third, New Orleans fourth, San Francisco fifth. Well, San Francisco was, you know, dealing with Garoppolo injuries and uh, inefficiency from the quarterback position. Pittsburgh kind of entirely collapsed down the stretch. Washington only makes the playoffs because they're in a horrific division. They're seven, they're seven and nine. And so you've got it. You, you need the elite quarterback and the good defense doesn't have to be great. Like we, we think of like a, a Bronco defense in 2015 or a Ravens defense in 2000, or even the bucks in 02. Those are all time defenses that could carry Peyton Manning on his last legs, Trent Dilfer, Bragg Johnson to a win. You need a defense that is in that next tier. That is anywhere from say average to pretty good, but then can put it together and be great when the moment matters, but you still got to have the quarterback on the other side. And that's, and, and so the question is, how do you get there? And that's why I'm not sure this changes anything for me on really wanting Deshaun Watson, even though I don't think the Broncos are going to end up with him because I feel like Vic could scheme what was left into being a decent defense. As long as they're not hit by the tsunami of injuries that they were hit with last year. Right. And obviously if you have Deshaun Watson, your window for figuring this whole thing out is so large. Like I think you're Mm -hmm. an instant football. I think you're an instant playoff team, but also like, even if you gave away three years of first round picks, like you've got him for the next 10 to 15. So even if it's only 10, well, now you have seven years where your first round picks are replenished and you're, you know, you can build this thing however you want. So um, in terms of the instant turnaround, it might not be the best move, but in terms of, uh, well, and, and it still might be the best move, but you might not be Super Bowl ready next year based off of how much you have to give up. But your, win- your, in- your window has opened up and you have a long time to figure it out. And like I've said, in 2020 or in 2030, guys, you're not even going to remember that you lost two or three first-round picks in order to get Deshaun. Yeah, exactly. From Orange and Blue Ozzy, congrats, Mace. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Nice to see Shaq Barrett plays so well. Second ring for him, right? Yep. Yep. This game was won by a shocking amount of pressure by the Bucks, and absolutely none from the Chiefs. Andy Reid's staff was outcoached today. Only one sack on Brady. He just doesn't get beat, beat in games like that often. Eric Fisher not playing hurt a lot, but this game showed the gap between the uh, the gap to the Broncos may be closer than we think. Maybe a QB away. Raiders beat them. Chargers split with them, and the loss required uh, uh, your famous 58-yard field goal. If you look at the whole season, the Chefs just kept winning against everyone, but didn't look good in many wins. In your opinion, is the league beginning to learn how to defend Mahomes and company? I have to be. I have to agree with that. Um, the whole season, I kept saying, oh, the Chiefs are LeBron Jamesing it. They're LeBron Jamesing it. They're just treating the regular season like a preseason for the playoffs. And maybe that's what they were doing, and the, the, the switch just wasn't there like they thought it would be. But, you know, either they've taken a step back or they learned a tough lesson about thinking you can turn a switch. 
But in the playoffs, they did turn a switch until the Super Bowl. And I think that's just when everything caught up to them. Um, and so I, I don't not too worried about the switch for the Chiefs because they did handle Buffalo pretty well. Uh, it was it was really reminding me of the 2013 Broncos were just man, they were such a good team. So they could fight off so many things until they just played the best of the best. And then it just all totally, totally collapsed on them. Yeah, and even like the Chargers splitting with them, you mentioned Orange and Blue Aussie. That split was because the Chiefs rested a lot of guys in Week 17. I mean, basically that including was including Mahomes. Yeah, that that's a game that you, you don't count. I mean, it, but they did it almost beat them fair and square. They did, and that but that was also the element of surprise game with Justin Herbert being thrown out there right before kickoff, and uh, and that happens a lot. You you have to put a different guy in there, and there's no prep and. Uh, they were they they were caught off guard, so I think uh, I I, th- I think this is it's on a big stage, but I was thinking back on how I remember Tom Brady having some some really bad games at times early in his career. I remember him going to Buffalo in Week One of one year and the Patriots getting shut out by the Bills, shut out by a team led by Drew Bledsoe, the former Patriots quarterback. And people went, Oh, wow. I mean, you know, I guess the bills got the right guy and Patriots went on and won, and won the Super Bowl that year. We have a tendency to overreact to something because it's in a championship game, but this still feels like more of an outlier than anything else. And something that I think they'll adapt and learn from. I think the other thing with the chiefs is this team, they haven't really known a lot of adversity. And when things got tough on Sunday night, they crumbled emotionally. They crumbled, as we mentioned earlier, in terms of how they, in terms of how they managed the game. They froze like a deer in headlights. I think that if I'm the Chiefs next year, I'm thinking, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm thinking, okay, three or four losses in the regular season might not be a bad thing for this team compared to the ride that they had this past year, where they only lost at all. Yeah, my my day after takeaways for this in terms of the Chiefs outlook is is very much along the lines of what May said. The first is the Chiefs are beatable. That is fantastic news for the Broncos. Uh, and it, there's a formula to do it too. Uh, the second is... I still don't believe that the Chiefs are going to be depleted where it's going to be Patrick Mahomes and no one else because they're going to be able to keep, uh, you know, some good tackles. They're going to be able to keep some good defensive players. They're going to be able to keep good wide receivers and tight ends. But what we saw and how this is going to affect them, the Patrick Mahomes salary, is they're not going to be able to have good depth. And when they are hit with injuries, this is what is going to happen is you're going to be able to take advantage of them. And if these injuries all happen at the same time, like they did with the chiefs, this is what the chiefs will be. And that is very beatable. So that's, I think where the whole, okay, they're super bowl champs. Okay. They made the super bowl in back-to-back years. Their team's going to have to be depleted, right? Now their team isn't going to be depleted, but their depth is going to be very hurt. Now saying that guys, the chiefs, with Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback, we're we're still 16 and two this year. So still very good. That's not going to go away, but there is, there is that penny size light of, of hope at the end of the tunnel there. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're talking about penny sized light at the end of the tunnel, you talk about the chance that maybe the bucks uh, broke Patrick Mahomes, a la the Broncos breaking Cam Newton. You know, if you think back to, it, it, it is a sliver, but if you think back to Cam Newton, 
people would have laughed at that too. You know, if, if on a Buccaneers podcast the day after uh, that game, someone was saying, man, the Broncos might've broken Cam Newton. He might never be the same after he just w- was what 14 and two or 15 and one and uh, unanimous MVP. Uh, it would have sounded preposterous. So yes, it's a bit preposterous, but you never know. Uh, you know, getting crushed like that in the biggest of games has interesting effects on people. <laughs> yeah, boy, that would be something else. The Broncos would definitely owe the Bucks uh, for many, many years to come if that was the case. Before we move on, a shout out to Zoom Care. If you were broken by the Buccaneers last night, but you don't want to go into a doctor's office, say maybe you're Patrick Mahomes. Well, you can hit up Zoom Care and they can look at you from the, the comfort of your couch and say, well, it's not your fault that your coach is too stubborn to bring protection to, to give you extra protection. So it looks like you're going to be okay. And, and, and then maybe you'll feel a little bit better. Um, so zoom care is a great way to get care and get a professional doctor's opinion on whatever you're dealing with without having to take the risks of going into a doctor's office. So check them out zoomcare.com that's z-o-o-m-c-a-r-e.com ufc is back this weekend guys and ufc 257 surely gave the fans what they were looking for and this weekend is sure to be just as action-packed and DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of usc is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 100 to 1 odds on your chosen fighter to step out of the octagon raising that belt here's what you have to do pick either main event fighter to win this weekend's ufc 258 bout and DraftKings sportsbook will give you one hundred to one odds that's right one dollar bet on either fighter to reign victor victorious and if your fighter wins you'll cash one hundred dollars there's no better way to put your mma knowledge to the test than your money and your money where your mouth is than DraftKings sportsbook this weekend and if ma mma isn't for you DraftKings sportsbook offers great odd boosts and promotions on basketball hockey and so much more or you could even look at nfl futures already DraftKings is safe secure reliable so you you can deposit in your money and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the app store now, download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 on your chosen title contender to win this weekend. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 on the main event Saturday night. For a limited time only, only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions supply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4000. 700 from love thunder down under well beat me there's some beeping hope in this godforsaken beeping world simple question for you reflecting on the game sure mahomes is a genetic uh is a genetically modified lab frog slash qb hybrid who fuels his raging metabolism off of ketchup but how good are the chiefs in two years when they're playing without some of the other starters around him i mean you look at the two starting tackles off the field and the whole show came to a halt what happens without Hill, presumably incarcerated and under the uh, guardianship of Big Bubba Gum Bill somewhere in Missouri, in a Missouri prison, or Kelsey, presumably incarcerated for being complete, uh, can't having, uh, oh, and having his own reality show. That was a typo there. Uh, I'm glad uh, I caught it and it was spelled wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Pat's good and fun to watch and a genetically modified frog QB hybrid who fuels his raging metabolism off ketchup. But haven't we crowned him a little early given the Chiefs have uh, almost enough stars 
to be the DNVR of the NFL, you're welcome. Uh, well, they've 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 earned the crown because they've won one Super Bowl already. I mean, so they the question is, can they sustain it? And you know, with any great quarterback, there's going to be a gradual evolution of the team. But having that quarterback certainly helps out. And you look at this offseason and and who the Chiefs might lose in free agency. Um, Sammy Watkins hits the market. Daniel Sorensen, kind of a dirty player, hits the market. Bashad Breland, uh, Alex Okafor, Damian Wilson. I mean, I don't think this year is when we start seeing the hits. I think it's in the future. And I think if anything, one thing we learned the last couple of years is that Patrick Mahomes, when he plays without Tyreek Hill, he's still productive. But when he has to play with two backup tackles, then and also an interior line that didn't have Laurent uh, Duvernay Tardif all year because he opted out to uh, go to go work in medicine up in uh, Quebec, then that's the point where it starts to break down. So if I'm the Chiefs, I'm sort of looking long term and thinking, okay, what are the essential parts of this? And maybe you're thinking that the O line is an essential part to helping Mahomes, the tight end Travis Kelsey is essential, but maybe the receiver kind of the receiver kind of falls down a peg, and they do keep looking for kind of that next speed guy to emerge to kind of to spell Tyreek Hill because they've proven they can win and be successful on offense without Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andre Simone, our guy, has a great thread, though, uh, on Twitter today talking about how the Chiefs have, in, uh, of all the positions during the Patrick Mahomes era, the Chiefs have invested the least in the offensive line. Uh, and now they don't have very many resources to invest because, of course, they've spread it out to keep this team together. So that's the one place where I say, okay, if this starts to come apart a little bit, guys get older, retire, and this thing comes apart, then, you know, Patrick Mahomes is always going to be great, but they might go from uber dominance to just really, really good. Right. Exactly. And, and so the question of, um, did we, were we too quick to crown Mahomes? It depends on what you mean crown. I mean, crown is the best quarterback in the NFL. No, I mean, uh, an elite top guy. No, he, he's that. And he's going to be that now it, the greatest of all time. And in that conversation, Tom Brady's kind of running away with that. Yeah, and, and we were yeah. talking about this last night is, okay, if Mahomes was ever to pass Brady, now he has to get more Super Bowls than him because Brady will be undefeated against him in the playoffs, probably unless they meet again in the Super Bowl next year, which isn't completely <laughs> out, of the, uh, out of the realm of possibility. But he could pro- he'll probably finish his career undefeated against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. And so – for Mahomes to have to pass him, he's going to have to get eight rings, which I just – people are crazy for thinking that's a possibility. I don't think anyone will ever touch uh, Tom Brady's record there. The interesting thing, though, when we talk about kind of the dominance, we're not saying the Chiefs go 14-2, and 13-3 and three every year they have Patrick Mahomes because with these quarterbacks, you know, there's a 10-6 there, and six season sprinkled in for, for Tom Brady. The Saints had three, seven, and nine seasons with Drew Brees. There are going to be years where they are a little bit off, even though Patrick Mahomes still clearly an elite quarterback. At some point, the Chiefs are going to have that nine and seven, eight and eight type year. And that's a question of whether the Broncos are in position to capitalize. But over the long haul, the Chiefs are probably still going to win the AFC West as often as the rest of the division combined. It's just, can the Broncos be in position to 
grab as many of those other division titles the Chiefs don't win as is possible? And can they maximize the opportunity in the playoffs when they do? Yep, yep, exactly. Next one from Burrito Chad. A few weeks ago, you had a what executive order would you make episode? The Super Bowl brought one of my least favorite narratives in sports. Just let the guys play in the playoffs. So you have a rule book for the entire season leading up to the big game. We are going to use this rule book. But when the most important game of the season comes, we are not going to use this rule book. My executive order is to rid all sports of this asinine and archaic thought process. And if you don't like the way the rule is called, then change the freaking rules. Good Lord. Why is this even a debate? Yeah, I mean, on the surface, I'm with you. It's silly to say, like, oh, you can't call that in that moment, even though it was the right call. It's like, no, it's the, if it's the right call, it's the right call, period. Uh, but I disagree with you a little bit in the sense that I just – I like – uh, I like the fact I, I like watching the players get a little bit more physical when the game gets bigger. Um, and I think there's just something nice about when the game, you know, in, is on the biggest stage, the refs let them get a little more gritty, a little more physical out there, but that that's definitely, you know, that helped cost the Broncos a, a Super Bowl. Uh, now I don't know if they would have won, but of course, uh, in Super Bowl 48, they, the refs let, uh, Seattle get incredibly physical with the Broncos, something they hadn't really had to deal with all year. Yeah. And the other thing also on, on this game, Carl Sheffers in terms of penalty, in terms of penalties called per game actually uh, was second highest in the league over the course of the season behind Alex Kemp, according to NFL penalties.com. So this was this is how his crew now obviously it's an all-star crew for the Super Bowl, but crews led by Carl Sheffers. This is how they call the game. They've been calling it tighter than most other officials have this year. So this is something that most teams in their game plan and, and when they're prepping their players, they will let them know when they're going into a game and they have an, a, an official whose crews tend to call more penalties than others. And I, if the Chiefs were smart, then Somebody on Andy Reid's staff would have said, hey, guys, Sheffers is Cruz. Usually call a tight game. Maybe we want to be a little careful out there. Right. I have to be honest. Not at one point during the entire game did I think, wow, the, the refs are really swaying this thing. I didn't either. I didn't even know this was a narrative until this morning when we did the pod. Oh, I saw it. I saw it on social media, and that's why I kind of had the preemptive strike uh, uh, during the game on, on the officials saying they're going to be claiming conspiracy theories because I was already seeing it flow on social media oh, yeah. in the second quarter that Chiefs were compla- fans were complaining about the calls. And, what? yeah, you know, they, they, sh- they should have known. Carl, Carl Sheffers' crews call tight games. The uh, Darius Leonard, I believe it was, tweeted out like, oh, wow, the fix is in or something. Um, and then there's no fix. <laughs> Trey Boston, who was obviously a member of the Carolina Panthers, said, I don't care what y'all say. This is how the refs did us in Peyton's last game, too. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. 
Somebody's still so. bitter. Oh my so. gosh. Pig wow. <laughs> tosser 66. Congrats, Mace. I have to say this was probably my fourth favorite Super Bowl I've ever watched. Can you guess the other three? Absolutely love that the NFL darling got put in his place and we aren't hearing about a Chiefs dynasty taking off. My favorite part, though, had to be TB12 stealing the Honey Badger's lunch money. Thought he was going to intimidate the goat and smacked so awesome. Still can't believe the Chiefs game plan. The Bucks were scared to death of getting beat deep and played two high safeties all game. Clyde Edwards Hilaire averaged seven yards per carry, yet the Chiefs thought the better play was to drop Mahomes back with two backup tackles and throw the ball down the field. Can't believe Andy Reid got out coached that badly. Wonderful way to end the season. Now the offseason finally begins as everyone is zero and zero again. Let's go, <sighs> Peyton. Time to get better. You know, you've got an you got an old running back who's the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. You'd think if Eric Bieniemy had that much of an impact, he would have whispered in uh, Andy Reid's ear, "Hey, you know we want to run the ball a little more. Clyde's effective. They're dropping their safeties deep. They're giving us these openings." Yeah, saying. In my opinion, they I mean, they wasted their first round pick last night. Yeah, yeah. He Why did, did you his take job. him if you weren't going to lean on him in games where you had to? Yeah, and no. And again, they'd done it before. I mean, they did it in week one when he when Houston was conceding the run. They did it in Buffalo when the Bills were conceding the run back in October. It had worked. And against Buffalo, it had worked against a really good team. I, I, I'm sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm happy the Bucks won. But there's also that, that part of me that wants to see good football and smart football. And the Chiefs last night played dumbass football. They did. It was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> the other Ryan, my boys. First off, congratulations to Mace on his team Super Bowl victory in their own stadium after winning three road playoff games to gain the right of being the first team to play in and win a Super Bowl in their home stadium. Pretty cool thing there, and and yeah. unsurprising that I, I, you know, with hindsight now, that the first team to get home field advantage in the Super Bowl wins the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's the only thing that uh, is kind of sad about this beautiful moment in Tampa Bay sports with the lightning being the reigning champions and the Rays going to the world series is that's happening when hardly anybody can go see it. Although it was cool to see 24,000 fans there, especially of the 7,500 who were healthcare, who were healthcare workers and were vaccinated. So they could crap. Like when you saw like people crowded together in the stands a little bit, those, that was the healthcare workers. They could actually get together in a crowd and, uh, and enjoy the moment. So that was, it, it was pretty cool, but still, it's kind of a Tampa Bay thing that at this beautiful moment in Tampa Bay sports history that we're all just watching on television, can't really go experience in person for the most part. So he goes on. I think I know three diehard lifelong Bucks fans. So kudos to you seeing the chiefs be confounded and flounder all night was beautiful to behold. It was also nice to see officials finally calling the chiefs for penalties that they've been getting away with all season. And for years now, the Buccaneers certainly showed the blueprint for beating the chiefs. I think the Broncos also showed one in both of their games this past season as well, even if the first contest ended in a blowout. The key with the Bucks last night was that they executed every time they needed to and gave nothing easy to Kansas City in the form of big offensive, uh, defensive or special teams plays, turnovers, defensive special teams, touchdowns, etc. Broncos' lack of uh, execution when plays are there to be made, especially in the game at Arrowhead last season, greatly foiled their ability to win. Assuming the Broncos can have better health in 2021, what will it take for them to finally defeat the Chiefs for the first time since September 2015 next season? This Monday is certainly a little more magical now. DNVR, me salute. Mm, so what do the Broncos have to do this year 
in order to beat the Chiefs. Well, you've got to have... I, I think it starts and ends with the quarterback. Look, look at Tom Brady. He was great and he was efficient. And that's that's what the Broncos need. And they need to hit with, when they need to. Now, if you get that excellent defensive performance as well, obviously we know that keeping Patrick Mahomes running backwards is, is a great, great plan of attack. Yeah, you, you keep him running backwards. You show blitz and the willingness to blitz, but then you – disguise it going forward you, in the game. You confuse him because then you get that pressure with four guys. You drop everyone else. That helps. And the, the smart ass in me says a way to stop this streak is to have a week 17 game and the Chiefs have clinched everything. And then you just play the backups <laughs> and the Broncos get the dub. But I, I don't want it that way. I want it to be on the up and up. And um, I, I actually believe that uh, – if they want to just go for the short term and, and uh, figure this, this thing out in 2021, that uh, maybe the Levante David get the, get the right bridge quarterback, keep Justin Simmons, go Sir Tanner Farley round one. Oh, and keep Shelby Harris as well on the defensive line that maybe that's the way to do it and have a chance because they did come close in December. They just, they weren't, good enough to capitalize when the chiefs were off it's a question of can you capitalize when the chiefs are a little bit off if the broncos make a few steps they can get there and then you just have to hope the chiefs are having a bad day man shelby harris in that chiefs game too that was something facing down tyreek hill yeah (laughs) reese and and doing so coming off of dealing with covid and still clearly having his energy sapped resign that man right now for that play alone from Big Tony, my boys, what a great morning. My coffee tastes just a little bit better this morning after what we witnessed last night. Congrats to Mace. The second best thing to a Broncos Super Bowl win is watching the Chiefs get pummeled into the ground. That was so satisfying to watch. The peace sign taunting penalty by Winfield Jr. was the icing on the cake. That was probably the most savage thing I've ever seen. Well worth the penalty. <laughs> I thought the ref should have gone over to him with a medal and put it around his <laughs> neck, not thrown a flag. Uh Anyways, I haven't commented in a while, so I want to give my two cents on the Watson situation. I've gone back and forth about it, but I finally come to the conclusion that you've got to go all in, in my opinion. And here's the reason why. Look at the landscape of not only the AFC West, but the AFC in general. It's loaded with young quarterback talent. Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Tua, Lamar, Baker, Burrow, and even guys like Carr and Tannehill are above average. And Lawrence will be a jag. And I'm even hearing whispers about a return of Andrew Luck. I haven't heard about that. With that being said, if we don't get to this uh, QB issue figured out soon... It's going to be a rough 10 to 12 years. So as May stated in this tweet last night, you can't be scared to take a risk like quarterback and the opportunity to get a guy like Watson is very rare. And that's why I'm all for uh, us throwing the kitchen sink at the Texans in order to land him. Like champ said, it would change the fate of our franchise. You either get your own horse in the race or you don't even come close to seriously competing for a long time. With that being said, if we fail to get a deal done, I still do like Locke's potential and believe that he will benefit big time from having a full real off season crossing my fingers. Uh, but We'll also need to start loading up on young defensive talent. By trading down, Peyton could quickly add two to three great pieces towards the rebuild of our defense. Would love to somehow get one of either Parsons, JOK, as well as Davion Nixon. I also like the potential of Jalen Phillips out of Miami. That is all. Have a great day, boys. Talk to you soon. Well, one thing we all agree with you, Big Tony, is definitely do anything you can to get Deshaun Watson. Not only would that make you competitive with the Chiefs, it would make you competitive for the playoffs. And guys, it'd make the Broncos fun immediately. Well, yeah. And relevant, nationally relevant. I mean, if the 
that look, there's no indication the Texans are going to make a deal. There were reports yesterday saying that they're going to hang on to Deshaun Watson, but uh, you wonder where they lose their nerve, where they lose their patience. I'm of the belief, guys, that uh, this might not resolve itself into the regular until the regular season. And believe it or not, that's the kind of thing that might help the Broncos pull this off. Because then you get to the regular season and the advantage that teams like Miami and the Jets have in terms of draft capital ebbs because you're beyond this current draft cycle. Right. Uh, from Canadian Orange and Blue, congratulations, Mace. Guess the formula is four-man pressure. And that's something we've known. I mean, we knew it last yeah. year after the Super Bowl. People forget because, you know, he was incredible in the fourth quarter. The, the 49ers did the exact same thing to him for three quarters. If you look at his stats in Super Bowls now, it's awful. Uh, but he pulled up, you know, a rabbit out of his hat in the fourth quarter, and we forget about the first three, rightfully so. Uh, but it's, it was the same thing. It was four-man pressure. Anyways, don't know if you're a, a Lightning fan, but two championships in one year must be pretty special. It's incredible. I mean, it. this is, you know, the – as the old song of the age of Aquarius said, the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter is aligned with Mars. Peace is guiding the planet and love is steering the stars. And there are two Tampa Bay teams that are champions and another that was in the world series. I mean, uh, it, it won't happen again. I just wish it was happening at another time rather than a time when the arenas and stadiums are, are mostly closed. That, that's just, you know, you have to take it when it comes though. Yes. God, could you imagine if they actually won the world series? That would have been crazy. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I wish they had the success following Tom Brady is insane. It wasn't taking Blake Snell out. That was the wrong move. It was replacing it with Nick Anderson. Yep. And finally he says, got to ask is a Tom Brady Jersey on its way to you. It must be right. (laughs) No, can't do it. There's a, there's a line I can't cross. And actually for a Jersey, I am waiting on when they get rid of the one helmet shell rule, which is, in all likelihood going to be eliminated for the 2021 season. That's something that has been kicked around by the NFL that would allow teams to, to have true throwbacks. If they get rid of the one helmet shell rule, then Bucko Bruce on a white helmet in all his glory is coming back. And that means the orange jerseys are coming back on a once or twice a year basis. And that's when I'll buy a jersey. And if Shaq Barrett's still on the team, then I'll buy Shaq Barrett. If not, uh, if, if he leaves via free agency, I will probably buy, I'm, I'm all in on Devin white guys. Yeah. Although I might have to go with Antoine Winfield jr. Just because of the peace sign, the Tyreek kill that, I mean, like I, I said, they need to build a statue, a sculpture, something of that moment. I want to give you a piece of advice though. Yeah. You should get one of the jerseys with the Super Bowl patch on it. Um, maybe it's Devin White, maybe it's Levante David. I, I promise you, just every time you see it, the the Super Bowl patch kind of sparkle in your closet, it will just bring you a beam of joy. The problem <laughs> is, it's a white jersey, like as in the color white, because they wore they wore white for the Super Bowl. They didn't wear red, and I don't know. I don't really like I don't really like white football jerseys to buy. Fair enough. Mace, Mace you talk about yeah. statues. What about a, a Tom Brady bobblehead for your collection? Would that would that work? Could you get that in? You know, I'm not doing actually the cha- the uh, the the championship bobblehead. I'm going I'm going to buy two of them. One is the mascot, and one is going to be Shaq Barrett. <laughs> all right, all right. I love it. And guys, yeah. final one coming in from Pig Tosser sixty six. He says, best part about yesterday. 
Chiefs win another year of Mahomes' rookie contract window without winning at all. Next year, it's over $20 million. Then the $40 million numbers start kicking in. You know, they have a great chance of being back, but it will just continue to get harder. Yep, yep, it certainly will. All right, before we get out of here, a shout-out again to MSU Denver, the presenting sponsor of this show. There's so much you can do at MSU Denver. We're talking over 750 classes, 40-plus hybrid programs. There's something for everyone there. If you're looking to further your education, if you're looking to continue working a full-time job, it's perfect. These guys have been doing online education for a long, long time, and so they, they didn't have to pivot when the pandemic came around. They were ready for it. So check them out msudenver.edu slash online but for us today that is going to wrap it up on a fun edition of the dnvr broncos podcast everyone enjoy uh, your your kansas city chiefs tears for the rest of the day and we'll talk to you tomorrow